Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Alan Parry podcast. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about how to claim your power. And we'll be looking at the most precious resource that any of us ever have, which is, of course, our time and how to use it to the best effect in the service of our own dreams. And joining me today to talk about all of that juicy stuff is my co-host, Emma Baird. Hello, Alan. Hello. Hiya. Um, I wanted to talk to you a bit about autonomy. Um, it seems to be a principle of yours that runs very strongly throughout your life. Um, so firstly, I'd just like you to maybe break that down. What What is autonomy? What it means to you? Why it's important to you? Um, and how it might have impacted upon some of the decisions or whatever that you've made in your life? I think autonomy for me basically means that you are the commander of your own time. Um, it means being able to choose work which is meaningful to you um, and it's about freedom really it's about freedom and independence um, we live in a society where you know probably most people are spending their time doing work for somebody else doing a job or whatever and consequently don't have um, any control over the the one thing which is is really finite in this world, which isn't money, of course, but it's time. You know, we all have the same amount of time as each other. The rich man and the poor man um, has the same amount of time. And autonomy is basically being uh, the commander of your own time. Um, someone who is able to act spontaneously, someone who is able to work on their own projects. And for me, that's really, really important. And sometimes you... Um You've you've said that that about time. No, on their deathbed, nobody wishes. You know, nobody would say they wish they'd had more money or more work. They they think, oh, I, I wish I'd had. You know, spent my time differently. So you place a lot of value on time. Well, it's it's the only finite thing. Like I say, it's the only scarce resource we've we've really got. Um, as many billionaires have proven, you can kind of generate lots and lots of money. Um, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, but. You can do it, you know, there's a possibility of doing that, but I'm stuck with the same amount of hours in each day and I don't know how long I've got, um, but that'll be my time. It's the it's the one thing that I cannot generate more of. And so it kind of seems a, a crazy thing when we step back and relax and, and reflect on it, the idea that we actually trade our time, which is completely scarce and, and can't be regenerated for money, which actually is some sort of weird abstract um, concept then we can actually generate more of that and that is possible so I think that's the thing really that's why I place so much importance on it because it's the one thing we've got a limited supply of and we can't even react to that limited supply by ensuring that we've got more of it time is time and we have our we have our share of it and that's that this sort of reminds me of the of the story that you told me once about a fisherman um on a beach um do you remember that story yeah vaguely um there's probably a better version of it but there's a a fisherman who's who's um well there's a there's a a holiday maker a rich holiday maker meets this guy who's you know just sat there on the beach having a lovely time and he's with his family and everything and he's actually a fisherman and he's already been out for a couple of hours that day and caught his his catch and uh, the the businessman starts to 
kind of lecture him on on how he should be living his life and he said you know you need to be going out for longer and not just a, a couple of hours and then you'll make more money and then um if you make more money then you're going to be able to you know buy more boats and then you can hire you can you can employ other people to be on the other boats and you can all be going out together and then you'll be able to have so much fish coming in that you'll be able to you know you can then move to to New York City and you know have your own offices in a skyscraper and run a big corporation and he goes through all of this stuff and um and the 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 fisherman who's lying on the beach with his family says well why would I want to do that and he says well if you do all that, you'll be so rich that you'll be able to lie on the beach with your family. <laughs> and, of course, the fisherman's <laughs> already there, so it's not a very good option. And I think we are tricked um, to follow these kind of very complicated big things when our time is precious and it is better used in the service of ourselves and our dreams and and what we find important rather than having to sell that time to do the bidding of another person, which seems a, a really perverse way of organising society. Mm. You said in one of your blogs, um, I think it was the one called uh, How to Design a Work Life That Meets Your Needs, you, you wrote that, uh, quote, autonomy relates to my need for self-expression. Um, so I, I was quite interested in that, in that, uh, in that thought, really. Could you explain a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah, it's a similar thing, really. If I'm in control of my time, if I'm a free individual and I can choose um, how I use the hours in my day and the days in my week, then I can use it to express myself. So I can use it to, um, to, to get out my creativity. I can use it to do volunteer work on, a, on, on things that I find meaningful. But whatever it is, it's going to be something which expresses some sort of deep passion or value within me. If I don't have autonomy and I'm basically selling myself to the man, if you like, then it's not self-expression unless there's a, a good match there, you know, unless you're being employed to do something that you love. But even then, that gets problematic uh, on occasions. But essentially, if you're, if you're working and selling your time for somebody else, well, they own your time and they tell you what to do and you do that. And that seems to me the um, antithesis of self-expression because you're not really expressing yourself and your own ideas and your own projects and your own passions, but you're basically a tool of somebody else's. Mm. This relates a little bit to um, a phrase that you use often, um, which is gatekeepers. So um, you, you have a, a desire for people to be you know, to self-express and to choose how they use their time. Um, and if you want to do something, get up and do it and don't wait for gatekeepers. How does that relate to autonomy? Um, I think what it's about is I think we're trained, aren't we, to have some sort of petition mentality. So, um, we, we, and I think this is maybe an historical thing and new technology is breaking this down a lot. But my my attitude basically is that if I want to do something, then I won't ask permission for it from someone. I'll try and find out a way of making that happen. So I'm a musician, for instance. I started being a musician seriously um, in terms of making records and so on at the age of 35. Now, 
and that was my very first appearance on the scene. So nobody was going to come and give me a record deal or anything like that. So I just, you know, did it myself. I've re- I've released, you know, I'm about to release my seventh record. They've all been self-released. They've all been something that I've done. Um, I think the old way of doing it, the petition syndrome way, as I refer to it, is that people will, you know, contact A&R men and record companies and try and ensure that they're selected and that they're picked. And um, my philosophy is that you have to kind of just pick yourself and go ahead and do it. So if I wrote a play, for instance, there's a number of ways I could do it. I could contact their theatre directors and and literary people and see if they would say yes to me. But that's probably not what I would do. I would think, well, I can actually get a gathering of actors myself and I can put this play on. I only need a venue and then I can go direct to the audience. So my approach always is to try and see what power we actually have in our own lives and then use that to the absolute maximum. Now, obviously, there might be situations in life where we don't have an awful lot of power where we are, you know, where where the odds are against us. But we've always got some power. And I think especially in situations where we have very little of it, it makes all the more sense then to really squeeze the maximum juice out of the power that we've got. So I think that's the, the, the first thing that I would uh, advise people to do is that when you want to do something, don't think that you have to... Um, rely on some sort of permission giver, someone who's going to um, give you the right to follow your dream or to enact that project that you wanted. And, you know, maybe there's gatekeepers out there and they can be of help and fine, go to them if you want to. But crucially, you can actually do these things whether people say yes or no. So if you want to be an artist, if you want to be a musician, if you want to be a playwright or a theatre director or whatever it is that it happens to be, you want to set up a blog or, you know, whatever it happens to be, um, a software developer, you can actually go ahead and do it. And I'm not saying that you can just walk away from your job when when I talk about that. But what I mean is that, in the spare time that you have, you can actually make these things happen. And it's a good idea, I think, to realize the power that we all have, that we don't always have to go to um, the big person at the top who's going to sit there like Caesar and give us a thumbs up and thumbs down as to whether we can actually pursue our dream project. You can actually make it happen. And these days in particular, you can make it happen. And that's essentially the way I've always worked. And it's always my gut instinct. Um, I know that I've I've been in situations uh, with yourself in terms of theatre. And my, my instinct is always, well, if you want to put on a play, you don't have to ask anyone. You can just get out there and do it. Get the actors, put it on, find the venue, and then go direct to the public. Next thing you know, you've got a play. So that's basically my attitude in terms of gatekeepers. They might be helpful. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to ask them, but ultimately never ever make it dependent upon them because they're not that important anymore and you can basically ignore them and often get a better result from doing things yourself. And do you see that as a kind of real, you know, full expression of autonomy? You know, is is that is that a picture of somebody being fully autonomous if they decide to get up and, and, and do whatever it is they want to do? 
irrespective of gatekeepers? Well, it is because, in, you know, in the, in the past, and we've still got the thinking um, around this that lingers on from history. In, in the past, the idea was that we didn't really have autonomy. You know, I could only do this if they said yes. And we're not in that time anymore. We don't actually need anybody else to say yes to us. We can actually say yes to ourselves and make it happen. And and that's why I think autonomy is so important because as well as the stuff I spoke about earlier about being in command of your time, it actually puts you in command of your objectives as well. And I think the idea that somebody can sit in judgment of what we want to do um, like it used to be in the old days. I would never have got a record deal in the 60s, for instance, starting off at the age of 35. Um, we're not in those days anymore. If I want to put a record out, I'll put a record out. I can, you know, get into, I can raise the money independently through my fans or through sponsorship. I can um, then distribute that, distribute that digitally right across the world. I can connect with fans directly. And all the kind of means of production and distribution is completely in my hands these days. And so my hope for people is that rather than thinking that a no from some sort of big cheese is the dead end to what they wanted to do, find another way to do it that doesn't involve a big cheese. And you'll probably find out that you're going to be more satisfied with the end result because another aspect of autonomy is that you will actually have creative ownership over the project you do. Mm. And it needn't just be a creative act. It could be, you know, it could be that you want to build a side business or it could be that you want to, um, you know, write some software that you think would benefit people's lives or it might be that you want to set up a community football club or, you know, whatever it happens to be, you don't need a big cheese. You can go out there and make it happen in the vast majority of cases. Mm. There seems to be a strong link, um, to my mind anyway, perhaps in yours, between self-empowerment and autonomy you talk a lot about power and or or self-empowerment so like living your life fully autonomously is a sort of act of of um of power within oneself um would it would you say that that's the case is there a connection between how we can be powerful moment to moment yeah, I think that's absolutely what autonomy is about. And also as well, I mean, everyone's had this situation in their workplace where where you've had a situation where you actually had the autonomy, the freedom to go about your work and, and contribute and have input. And there's other situations in work where the opposite has been the case, where your managers in work have treated you like a robot and they've told you what to do and how to do it. Now, which of those scenarios is more satisfying to a, a, a real-life human being like we are? It's, it's, the fair, it's, the, it's the one which gives you all the autonomy, the free reign, the ability to use your judgment and your decisions and your kind of passions and intellect and have some sort of freedom and power over how the project is done. When we're treated like robots, it's a real denial of our humanity. And uh, that's often the way the world of work is. You have a manager. They not only tell you how you're going to be spending your time, but on the project that you're going to be engaged in, they often tell you exactly how to do it as well. And you're, you're basically degraded to the point of a robot. So in all of this stuff, wherever you can find some autonomy, where you and I, I mean even those in the world of work if anyone who is in a management position 
there's so much literature on this that shows that when you actually um, give someone where to do and put them in a kind of controlled situation where their autonomy is taken away, their love for that work, even if they loved it from the outset, is completely taken away. I remember in a, a recent podcast, I think it might have been episode nine with Chris Allen, Chris spoke about, I mean, he's a university lecturer, he does research, he does papers, he's in a job he's very passionate about. And he described a situation where he was being given targets for his writing and he was thinking, well, that's not why I write. I write because I intrinsically love writing. So you telling me what I have to do and how many I have to do and when I have to get them in completely strips me of my autonomy. And at that point, a job that he loved became a job that he really resented. And I think that's the key, really. I think that when we have autonomy, when we have the freedom to decide how we use our time and how we actually um, make the projects that we're working on happen, then it feels very meaningful. And mm. the more of that we have, the better. And and sometimes that can be quite challenging or difficult for someone to, I mean, to, to feel self-empowered enough to to perform to to do to have autonomy or to state what their needs are or whatever so you know as is there any tips that you could say uh that you could give to someone to sort of enact their autonomy in a situation that they might not feel empowered in well what kind of situation were you thinking of there so well, i can be well a bit it, more specific it could be something it could be like the work one work example you relate you, you you talked about what what if you feel kind of intimidated or dis, disempowered by your boss and you would like more autonomy um or in a relationship you know in personal relations with people what is it that we could say to help ourselves to be empowered and feel autonomous well, I think the the first thing I'd say is just to repeat what I said a moment ago. You know, we're in a work situation. You, you do have very little power, you know, unless you're lucky in an, and you're in a job where you've got more free reign than usual. In an employment situation, uh, which I think is part of the problem with traditional employment, is that you do have very little autonomy. And so your, your power there while you're in a job is going to be massively restricted. So I can only repeat what I said earlier on. When you're in a situation where you have very little power, it's all the more important to identify and use the power that you've got, whatever that may be. It's like when you've got hardly any money. It makes sense then to use every penny that you've got in order to buy food and whatever else you need. Whereas the billionaire, you know, it doesn't really matter whether he uses all his up. It's quite similar with power, really. So uh, I'm not sure that's really answering your question because... In a work environment, your leeway is is very very limited, and so I, I suppose where I would come and is is to start thinking about how you could actually work less and still get by, and I think that might be the avenue that um, would be a good one if if work wasn't actually providing meaning for you. Mm. But of course, this might not be a work situation at all. It might simply be that you've always had some great idea that you wanted to see brought into reality. And the point is that you can actually make that happen. Mm. I'm thinking back to when I wanted to start um, the folk club that became the Woody Guthrie Folk Club. Um, there's lots of gatekeepers I could have gone through, but ultimately I just hired the top room of a pub and mm. put some leaflets out, let people know. And next thing you know, there was a folk club within mm. the space of about four weeks. And that's 
that's far more the kind of you know rather than lecture people on on their work situations which you know are, are inherently difficult aren't they mm. um it's more about having that spark of well i could do this myself i could yeah i suppose that's where self-employment comes in as well as an option in order to um get out and make a living independently if that's at all possible mm-hmm. i'd like to talk a bit about um autonomy and the political sphere you've had a very politically sort of activist life and but recently you're you know you're adjusting your feelings um toward politics and forming a new relationship to politics but um how does your thoughts about autonomy play out in that arena of politics how does it affect your thinking about politics i think i've always had this um this streak and i've only i've only really linked it to autonomy lately but i've been increasingly doubtful i suppose about the role of politics um and largely i think it's down to this idea again you know i I sat in a political meeting i i i joined a political party and left again soon afterwards but i was sat in a political meeting and it just felt like you know you'd sit in there trying to persuade one group of people to then go and go to another meeting to persuade another group of people who'd then go and it was all you know, it was all going through this permission sort of, um, you know, this petition syndrome that I refer to. And also, of course, time. You know, it's a cost on, on be- these people's time well, to sit a, there through meetings. Well, it's a huge cost in time. And if anyone's ever been in political meetings, they're <laughs> not at all respectful of time. If they can say something in 20 minutes um, rather than two, they'll they'll absolutely do that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose it's similar to that. So that phrase um, that Gandhi used, which is um, be the change that you want to see in the world. Mm. And I think there's lots and lots of ways to change the world. I'm not really convinced that sitting in meetings, hoping that, um, you know, the, the, the political versions of mummy and daddy will hear our request kindly and, and make changes that way is necessarily the best use of our time and power Um we can actually make the world a better place in a whole variety of ways, only of w- only which some of which are are political. Mm. So, um, you know, we both know someone, for instance, who, as well as being politically active, also um, does work um, bringing people of different cultures together. So, refugees who've who've come from Syria have have, have um, you know landed in the local community, and mm. her role has been to actually bring people together. Not not asking politicians to do this, but actually mm. played an active role in the community, and um, not waiting for a yes, essentially. Mm. No gatekeepers. No gatekeepers, and, no and good I, use of time. I I think that that kind of work is far more, um, is is far more admirable to me than the the old style political work, which is which is sitting in committees and and all that sort of dull stuff because we only have a limited amount of time and we have to use it as wisely as we can in order to get the change that we want. And often, because political change is so slow, Mm. um, there's generally, I think, other more direct ways of making the world a better place, which, of course, is the whole point of political activity in the first place. So are you sort of talking about, um, you know, grassroots, like like getting up and organising whether it's small projects or what have you, but is it actual act actions like that rather than political meetings that you think are more effective and, and are more true to being autonomous? 
Well, maybe, but it doesn't have to be that. You know, not everyone's going to have this grand project that they're going to do. You know, let's take the phrase that I said before about being the change that you want to see in the world. You know, if 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 everyone just sits down and makes a list of all the ways they want the world to be, then you'll probably have things like compassionate or caring or kind or generous or, you know, all these kind of things that they might write write down about how they'd they'd ideally want the world to be. Well, you can start that today. You be that. You be you be you embody all of those different characteristics, and just in your actions, even without any great big grand project or grand changes, you'll be making a, a change in the world today by doing those things and acting in accordance with your own values. And I think sometimes when people go into politics, because it's such a combat-oriented arena. I think it often brings out the worst of people. And so those things that people who go into that realm typically want, which is to make the world a better place, are actually involved in something which, just by the very nature of the beast, is kind of toxic and Mm. has a whole bunch of people, you know, standing nose to nose, hating each other. Um, And I I think that's kind of problematic as well. But certainly, yeah, anything that you're wanting to do, it might be that you're... You know, somebody who somebody who involved who's involved in artistic pursuits will make the lives of themselves and others better. There's a, a million and one things that you can do, which are meaningful to you, that will make the world a better place in some way or another. And my advice would be, rather than spending all your time asking permission of someone who will then go and ask permission of somebody else just do it you know mm. what it might not be in the same form and of course some things need political answers you know you can't you can't simply go off and and set up your own national health service for instance <laughs> but at the same time you know i'm thinking of a thing that um that they did in a in a local bar in liverpool where they gave a, a chunk of the profits in order to run something for uh, which was medical care for asylum seekers' children, mm. because the law in this country is that if an asylum seeker has a sick child mm. and goes to see their doctor, their doctor is actually entitled to refuse to see them. And so there are a whole host of children who's who had had, had come as asylum seekers who were not entitled to medical care. Mm. Now you can campaign for the law to be changed, and mm. in my view, it should be. But what those people did is they made a change to at least some people right here, right now, because they reinvested some of their profits into ensuring that they could run a medical care centre. It was only one day a week, but a medical care centre for asylum seekers' children with an actual doctor. And I suppose that there's no greater example of, of, of that, that those people acting autonomously, they decided... They they were self empowered. They took a powerful decision. They were enacting their autonomy to make a real difference p- to people's lives in that context. Yeah, abs- I mean, absolutely. And we see cases of this all the time. You know, that I've been reading a book. Um, I've not finished yet, but um, Chris, uh, who I mentioned earlier, recommended a book called Crack Capitalism, um, and it's got its, its critics. But one of the things that John Holloway, the author of that book, talks about is about using autonomy in order to kind of, you know, subvert the the the, the dominant social relations of our time. So you can actually, you know, what he's basically saying is 
capitalism wants us to buy stuff all the time. Mm. Um, so there's lots and lots of things which, when you actually take a step back and look at it, are actually quite subversive. So examples he gave is um, the old guy who has his own allotment mm. and spends a lot of time on his allotment and grows his own veg or or the people who set up a, a, a choir with their friends, you know, mm. doing stuff which builds human connection. And I often think that on a political front, um, one of my key benchmarks now is this, does this bring us together and connect us or does this push us apart? Mm. And um, I think a lot of stuff in political life brings um, pushes us apart and anything you can do that can connect people and connect us to our common humanity um, is something that I would applaud. And you don't need a yes for that. You can actually get out there and do it. Great. Uh, any just a final thought or summary of what autonomy means to you and or how somebody could re retain or gain personal autonomy in their own life? I think just what I said, really. I think it's it's key that we stop thinking that the one and only thing that we can do is ask for permission from above. Um, we are very, very powerful. Even if we don't have a lot of spare time, we have some. And whatever time we have, I think the point of life is to live in such a way that your activities are meaningful to you. Now, we already live in a society where so many of us are having to sell our time and use it in ways that are meaningful to other people. So whatever time is available to you, I would say stop looking above all the time. See the power in yourself. See the power in other people who could work alongside you who are also at the grassroots level and make wonderful things happen in your life, whether people upstairs would give you their approval or not. We're in an age now where we can connect to each other so easily, you know, even people right across the world, and we can build audiences for the things that we do. And I'm not saying it's an easy thing, but it's also not a, a, a hugely difficult thing either. And so my advice to anybody is find where your power is, assume that you have it even in the darkest situations, and make sure that you use it absolutely to the fullest because you don't need anybody anymore to give you permission and the power lies with you and with other people in your community so thanks so much for tuning in i hope you enjoyed this episode all about how to claim your power and you can get the back catalogue of podcasts as well as my blog writings on alanparry.com that's a-l-u-n parry.com now we're here every other tuesday so please put a date in your diary and if you do have time then I would absolutely love it if you were to come along to iTunes and leave us a juicy five-star review. So until next time, see you soon.